Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Well, today we are one third of the way on our fast. Amen. One third of the way. I don't know what it's been like for you, but let me tell you this past Friday, God spoke to me. He encouraged me. He gave me a word. So I want to encourage you. If you're not fasting, if you're not fasting, I want to tell you two things. One, number one, why aren't you fasting? What's your excuse? And number two, it's not too late. Come on, let's search the Lord. Let's seek the Lord. Pastor Reuben said something so wonderful last week. He said, when we fast, we get God's attention. And some of us, we need to get God's attention. You know, um, I didn't ask permission to say this, so I hope it's okay, Steve. But I was talking to Steve, and he mentioned to me that he took this whole month off to be able to focus on the fast. I think that honors God. And when we honor God, God what? Honors us back. Amen? So I want to encourage you. We're, we're fasting. God is doing wonderful stuff. We got some devotional booklets out there for you. We have a revival service this Sunday, this coming Friday, I'm sorry. Then the following week, the, the last Friday before our end of fast, we're going to have a worship service at my house. It's going to be spontaneous. You're welcome to come. If you want to come and see where the pastor lives, you're more than welcome. We're going to be, we're going to be worshiping outside. You know, I did this on purpose. I live in a neighborhood where just about every weekend, the, somebody has a banda or a DJ going on. Every weekend. Every weekend. Every weekend I go to sleep listening to Vicente Fernandez and Corridos. Right, Lisa? I think we kind of live in the... So, so I'm going to pay them back. I'm going to pay them back. And I want them to hear Day Spring sing. And they're going to be like, what do they mean, God? So, so I hope you come. I hope you come. It's a safe neighborhood. I promise you. I promise you. It's a safe neighborhood. And we're going to have a wonderful time. We have an amazing worship team. So, so the worship is going to be amazing. And we're going to have a great time. Amen. So uh, that's going to be the last uh, Friday of, uh, before the end of our fast. And then on the 30th, we're going to end our fast with a big celebration. The plans that we had for our New Year service, we moved them up to the end of the fast. So we're going we're gonna to have some Latin music. We're going to have very rhythmic music. And we're going to celebrate with great joy. Amen? Yes, well, when you walked in, you should have gotten a bulletin. If you didn't get one, you can raise your hand. One of the ushers will bring one to you. Um, as they do that, I, I, I want us to start with a little bit of humor. Is that all right? I, I see a lot of serious faces. And, uh, you know, we're in the house of God. So, um, you know, the story says that a husband was very concerned about his wife because he felt like she was losing her ability to hear. He would often tell her things and she wouldn't respond. So in one occasion, as he had his doctor's appointment, he asked the doctor and he told him about it. And he said, doctor, what could I do? 
He said, well, let's find out how deaf she may be going. He says, I want you this week to start at the living room. And when it's close to dinner time, ask her, not loud, but just the regular voice from the living room. Honey, what's for dinner tonight? If she doesn't reply, take a few steps closer and ask her again. Honey, what's for dinner tonight? And so on and so on until she responds. So throughout the week, this man uh, remembers and uh, he says, honey, what's for dinner? He doesn't hear anything. So he takes a few steps closer. Honey, what's for dinner? He doesn't hear a response. So he takes a few steps closer and he says, honey, what's for dinner tonight? He doesn't hear a response. So he takes a few steps closer and he's growing a little bit impatient because, you know, us men, we're a little bit impatient, right? And he says a little bit louder, honey, what's for dinner tonight? To which this honey responds, for the fourth time, I told you we're having potatoes. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. For those that are barely getting the joke, Lord, we thank you for that. We pray that you would speak to us. And Lord, that this would not be information, but that it would be life transformation. We pray that we would walk out of here not with the bigger head, but with the bigger heart. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. You know, I don't know how 2022 has started for you. I've asked around and uh, I see a lot of people with a lot of doubts, I see a lot of heavy hearts, I see a lot of discouragement. And I think it's important for us that we would get encouraged, that we would get filled with hope about the year 2022. And maybe you're saying, Pastor, but, but don't you get it? This is another, this is a repetition of what we've already lived. Why get our hopes excited when it's likely going to be the same thing? Well, I want to tell you that there's two reasons why, in spite of this pandemic or in spite of what may happen, two reasons why you ought to get excited for 2022. The first one is this. The first is that the Bible is very clear that God always wins. So I don't know what you're facing I don't know what you're going through. You obviously can see some of the challenges that as a church we're going through. And let me tell you, God always wins. You know, I was sharing this morning that I, at the end of the year, I felt very excited. I felt very uh, encouraged because I thought that we had a good momentum as a church. I thought we had a good November, a good December. We had a wonderful Christmas service. And I said, you know, the fast is just around the corner. So we're going to add spiritual fervor to the momentum that we got. And great things are going to begin to happen in day spring. And then guess what happened? Omicron happened, right? Let me tell you something. I got really discouraged. I, I did. I'm just being honest with you. I got really discouraged because I saw quite a few people get sick and I saw many others get scared and, and, and our services began to be very low to, and, and people began to kind of skip out on church. And I said, oh no, here we go again. All the hard work of one year 
kind of flushed over two weeks. And, 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 and that was my fast. Really, my fast is for you. This year, I'm not fasting for anything else but for you. I want you to know that. Normally, every fast, we have a petition. I'm not even fasting for my dad this year. I am fasting for you. And, you know, I just felt very discouraged. And on Friday when we came, God reminded me of something, of a great truth that is true about me and it's true about you. And that is that he never loses. The church is not going to be defeated. His purposes are not going to be abandoned. What God has planned, God will bring into fruition. So I don't know what you're facing, but let me tell you, that changed my attitude. And I was like, you know what? We may be going through a valley, but I know a mountaintop is coming because I've read the end of the story and we are not on the losing team. We are not. We're We're not on the losing team. We are on the winning team. I don't know if you've ever watched one of those shows, um, you know, but but if you've ever binge watched a show, especially if you've binge watched it and you know that it's got quite a few seasons, you know something something you know that no matter what kind of trouble the main character gets he's not gonna die right he's not gonna die he's not gonna die in the first season he's not gonna die in the second season because there's nine seasons right so when you know he's not gonna die you can watch the show and do what enjoy it You don't have to worry about, oh, man, he's going to, oh, I wonder how he's going to get out of this one. See, that's the attitude you and I can have and say, man, it's tough. People are staying home. People are afraid, whatever it is. But I wonder what God is going to do. I wonder how God is going to get us out of this one. Because one thing is sure, God never loses. So the first reason why you ought to get full of hope and excitement is because God never loses. And second, and second, here's why. Because the wealthiest people are not the ones with the most money or the most stuff. The wealthiest people are those who embrace the promises of God. And I don't know about you, but there is a lot of promises in this book. And if we embrace, if we get a hold of these promises, they will transform our life. And that's what I want to do in this series. Today we're going to begin a new series called God's Promises for a New Year. And it's a new year, but it is the same faithful, powerful God. And what we're going to do in this series, we're going to look at the Psalms of Ascent. I don't know if you had ever heard about the Psalms of Ascent, but the Psalms of Ascent are found in Psalm 120 all the way to Psalm 134. And there are 15 Psalms that the people of God would sing on their pilgrimage from where they live to Jerusalem. Because at least three times a year, listen to me, at least three times a year, they would leave their home and they would travel to Jerusalem to go to the house of God to be able to worship. And as they went on these journeys, they began to sing songs about the goodness of God. They began to sing songs about who God was. They began to sing songs about the things they believed God would do. And these songs became psalms. And as the people of God went on this journey, they 
they sang these songs and they began to take ownership of them. They began to take seed in their heart. And guess what God began to do in their life? He began to fulfill those promises. He began to show them his goodness. And listen, they are called the Psalms of Ascent because not only, no matter where you were, you always ascended as you went to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was on a hill. Not only what were they called Psalms of Ascent because you went up, but they were also called Psalms of Ascent because they elevate your spirit. They elevate your encouragement. They elevate your character. They elevate your faith. So my prayer is that if you are somewhere down here, that as we go through this journey, God would ascend your faith and you would get excited. Not about the year 2022, but but about what God is going to do this year in our lives. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Come on, church. You got to help me preach a little. You got to help me a little bit. Come on. I know you're fasting and you probably don't have a lot of energies, but the Lord, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Amen. Look at what 2 Corinthians 1.20 says. It says, for all, how many? How many? All the promises of God find their yes in who? In him. I heard a story about a man who was holding down a, a um, uh, was, was holding, was helping hold a, a balloon up, you know, uh, with 10 other people. And they had a rope, one of those uh, hot air balloons, and 10 men were holding it. And suddenly there was a strong breeze that came. This breeze was so strong that it lifted the, the, the hot air balloon up. And nine of the men lost their grip on the rope, but this one man. And as the balloon ascended, people began to be concerned about this man because they figured that at any minute he was going to lose his grip on the rope and he was going to fall to his demise. As people stood on the ground looking, waiting for this man to fall, they realized that he wasn't falling. And they realized that as time went, the balloon went higher and higher. So what they did, they grabbed another balloon to go and rescue this man. And after hours, they were able to bring him down. And the first question they asked him, how is it that you did not fall to your demise? How is it that nine other were able to lose their grip on the rope, but you never lost it? This man looked at them and he said, well, at first I had a hold of the rope. But then I realized that there was 10 feet of rope hanging below me. So what I did is that I wrapped myself around the rope. So I wasn't holding the rope now. The rope was holding me. Let me tell you, this is what God's promises will do to you. You begin by getting a hold of them, but you get to a point where they get a hold of you and they sustain you. And when people expect you to fail, when people expect you to give up, when people expect you to act a different way, you're going to surprise them because now the promises of God are holding on to you. But in order to do this, the first thing we got to do is that We got to know the promises of God. If we're going to embrace the promises of God, we got to know the promises of God. So what we're going to do in this series, we're going to look at five promises each week. There are 15 of them. We're going to look at five today, five next week, and then we're going to look at the last five as we end our fast. Are you with me? Let's look at the first five this morning. 
in this new year, and you can fill this out in your outline, the first promise that we find in Psalm 120 is that the Lord will deliver me from lies. The Lord will deliver me from lies. And I hope, I hope, I want to encourage you and challenge you that at home throughout the week, that you would spend time reading the Psalms. They're really, really short. Some, some, for some of the points, we're going to read the whole Psalm, but in others, we're just going to read a portion. But let me tell you, they're really short. You can read them. You can read one per day. But the first promise for this new year is that the Lord is going to deliver me from lies. Look at what Psalm 120 verse 1 and 2 says. I took my troubles to Facebook, right? <laughs> oh, that's not what the Bible says? Because that's what a lot of Christians do. Is that a different version? Because mine doesn't say Facebook. It says I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to who? To my mom. <laughs> Mommy, esta mujer, right? I cried out to him. And what did God do? He answered my prayer. Rescue me, O Lord, from liars and from all deceitful people. Listen to me, church. Lies is one of the worst enemies that we will have to face in our journey of faith. And I don't know if you don't make a big deal out of lies. I know some people, that's your main sin. You're, you're, you're a good liar. You're a good liar. You believe your own lies. Right? You may not think lies are a big deal, but they are. And here's the reason why. Listen to me. Lies are incredibly destructive. It was a lie that brought humanity down from the order that God had to a life of death and destruction. Pastor, what are you talking about? Remember Adam and Eve? They were in an ideal situation. In fact, I've heard one preacher say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to go find Adam and Eve. And the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to slap them because they ruined it for the rest of us. I think we would have ruined it if we had been in their case. But remember Adam and Eve? They were in an ideal situation. And Satan came and he lied to them. And what did they do? They believed the lie and the lie cost them the Garden of Eden. Lies are incredibly destructive. And I'll get, you got to know something. Satan has not stopped lying. He's the father of lies. And if you believe his lies, he's going to steal your identity. He's going to rob you of your peace. He's going to lead you to spiritual moral, to spiritual moral and emotional decay. He's going to rob you of all the good things that God has done. So this year, we got to believe and we got to cling to the promise that God is able to deliver us from the lies. Listen, how is it that God delivers us from lies. How is it, Pastor? Is it those Facebook posts? Is it those Instagrams posts? No. Look at what John 8, 31, 32 says. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples. If what? If you remain faithful to, to what? To my teachings. To my teachings. Jesus said... 
You are, you are my people if you remain faithful to my teachings. And what happens when we remain faithful to his teachings? And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. free. Can I tell you something, church? I hear a lot of Christians say, oh, you, the truth will set you free. But a lot of times we are not clear about what truth is the one that sets us free. It is not your truth. It is not the popular truth. It is God's teachings that are the truth. You know why many Christians today are believing the lies of the enemy? Because they don't know God's teachings. And because they don't know God's teachings, they are not free. They haven't been set free. There's many Christians today who are believing the lies of the enemy. And therefore, they're living a life where they believe that change is impossible. I'm never going to change. She's never going to change. They're never going to change. Christians who don't believe that healing is possible. Christians who, who don't believe that they can be a great parent, that they can have a successful marriage, that, that, that godliness and holiness matter to God, and they are believing a lie because they don't know God's teachings. But this year, this year we're going to dive into God's word. And we're going to believe that as we abide in his teachings, he is going to rescue us from the lies. Amen. We live in a time of so much information that there's so much misinformation. And there's so much to believe out there. You could find arguments for just about every position you can think of. So what do we do? Where do we find the truth? It's not on Google. It's not in a university. It's not hidden deep within your heart. It's found in God's teachings. Here's the second promise for this new year. The second promise is that the Lord will protect me. The second promise is that the Lord will protect me. Psalm 121 verses 1 through 8. This is a beautiful psalm. Look at what it says. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made what? Heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleep. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go both when now and forever here's what you got to know the journey of going to Jerusalem was no cruise ship they didn't do this because it was easy they didn't do this because it was fun in fact the journey was dangerous the journey was filled with threats there was thieves on the way. There were enemies that wanted to harm them. There was wild animals. They went through mountains and deserts. And, and it, was, it was just a, a hard place. The, the, the weather was an extreme weather. And it wasn't a journey that they did in one and two days. For many of them, it would take weeks. And that's why they would sing this psalm. 
And that's why they would remind themselves that although there was danger along the way, that as they were seeking God, listen to me, church, because I believe God is talking to us. As they were seeking God, as they were obeying God, although there was danger along the way, they trusted that God was able to protect them. This is a psalm that reminds them that they were not alone, that God was not a Jerusalem waiting for them, that God was with them along the way, and that, yes, God had designated Jerusalem as the place of meeting, but that God was with them along the way. And can I tell you something? The Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So nothing has changed about God. God continues to be committed to to protecting you and protecting me as we go about obeying and seeking him. The Lord watches over our step. The Lord watches as we come and go. Let me tell you something. Living in fear is one of the worst ways to live. If you're constantly in fear, it's not worth living that way. If you're constantly afraid that to be a parent, if you're, if you're afraid, you won't be a good husband. You won't be a good wife. If you're afraid, you, you won't be able to succeed. If you're afraid, you're not going to be able to endure your purpose. If you're afraid, you're not going to enjoy the life that God has for us. And that is why God makes this promise to always protect us. I want to say something and I want you to know that I'm saying it out of love and I'm saying it as your pastor. This pandemic is real. It's real. Okay. But we got to stop letting it dictate our lives. We cannot be people who are afraid. Oh, I can't go to church because what if I get infected? Well, you go to work. God can protect you at work, but not in his house. Listen, I'm not afraid to put on a mask. And I'll put on a mask for the well-being of others and for my well-being. But my security is not in staying at home. My security is not in wearing a mask. My security is not even in the vaccinations that I got. My security is in him. And I think it's time, church. I think it's time. I think it's time that we stop living in fear. I'm not telling you to be careless. You don't feel good, stay home. Take a week or two, get well. But don't hide because there's a virus out there that God is able to protect you from. God's purposes have to prevail and they will because he is able to protect us. I hope you still love me because I still love you. God can protect us. Amen. Number three. The third promise for this new year is that the Lord will give me peace and prosperity. That God will give me peace and what? Prosperity. prosperity. Now, I'm not a prosperity preacher, uh, Manolo, okay? So, so I, I'm not, I'm not. But, but I want to teach the truth of God's word, okay? I'm not going to tell you that if you bring me a $100 bill, God is going to give you $1,000 this week. I'm not going to tell you that because I, 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 I think that's an exaggeration of God's word. But let's look at what God does say. And here's what I want you to know. Listen to me, listen to me. God wants you to prosper. 
God wants me to prosper. You know why? Because we represent him. And poverty is not synonymous of godliness. And neither is wealth synonymous of blessing. But God wants you and I to prosper. And you know what's the best thing? The Bible says that when God gives wealth, he doesn't add affliction to it. That's why in this promise, we have prosperity and peace. It means that God blesses your life, but you don't have to worry and, and live in fear and live in stress and live in constant uh, uh, pull because God blesses you, but he also gives you peace. And you got to know something, church. God wants you and I to prosper because as you and I prosper, his church prospers, his kingdom prospers. We are a reflection of the God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Look at what Psalm 122 verses 1, 6, and 7 says. I was glad, and this is important, I was glad when they said to me, what did they say? Let's go to Vegas. Let's go to Disneyland. There was joy and gladness when? When they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why? What does that have to do with peace and prosperity? Well, we'll see it in a minute. Look at what verse 6 and 7 says. Pray for peace. Where? In Jerusalem. May all who love this city prosper. Oh, Jerusalem, may there be peace within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. I want you to notice the repetition of peace and prosperity in verses 6 and 7. They're a promise. Not only are they a prayer, not only are they a request, they are founded on the nature of God. That he's a God who wants to give you peace. He's a God who wants you to prosper. Now, listen to me. God's way of prospering us isn't always material or financial. Sometimes God prospers us by opening a door. Sometimes God prospers us by giving us direction. Sometimes God prospers us by giving us favor where we are. Sometimes God prospers us, listen to me, listen to me, by giving us strength to endure the hardship that we're going through so that in that hardship, he can be glorified. Prosperity is not always, oh, God must really be good with me because he gave me a brand new car. God can bless you materially and financially, and he will. But that's not the only way. That's not the only way. Now, here's what you got to know. Here's what you got to know, okay? You got to know the importance of that place. Why, why Jerusalem? Why does this psalm begin by saying, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Listen to me. Prosperity and peace are connected to the designated places that God has established. Listen to me. They went to Jerusalem because that was the place God had established and designated. Why didn't they say, well, we'll just worship God from here? Or, or what if we just send our offering from here? No, 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 no. God said, come to my house. 
the journey. See, for them, when somebody told them, let us go to the house of the Lord, it wasn't like, hey, give up your Sunday morning. No, for them, it was weeks. For some, even months. I know it was quiet. But Jerusalem was the place God had designated. Why? Because Jerusalem was the place not only where they met God, listen to me, but where they met with God's people. Jerusalem in this verse is synonymous of unity. And where there's unity, God sends his blessing. What is that place for you and for me today? Are we supposed to go to Jerusalem? Well, if you go, take me with you. But that's not the place for us anymore. The place that God has designated for us is his home, is his church. Listen to me, church. As you begin to take God's people and God's home serious, he'll begin to prosper and bless you and your home. Because if there's unity in the body of Christ, God will send his blessing. But I want you to believe with me that this year, God is going to prosper us. We're, you know, I, I, I got to confess something to you. A few weeks back, they, I woke up uh, in the morning because, you know, sometimes Manolo and I, we get up in the morning and we go run before work. And, you know, I got up this morning. He wasn't going to come running with me, but I was still going to go. And I go to get in my car, and I wake up, and my car was crashed on the driver's side. From the end of the bumper to the front of the bumper, but especially the driver door was just crashed. And automatically, I, I said, I hope they left a note. Not in the times we live in, right? It's always somebody else's fault. Let somebody else pay for it. Anyways, the worst that I imagined happened. And that is that my insurance deemed my car a total, so they bought me out, and now I'm left without a car. And if you know anything about cars, you know that right now they're in high demand, and they're really expensive. And, you know, before you could buy a decent car with $10,000, not anymore. And I've been doing a lot of work for, for, I've been doing a lot of homework to try to find a car, and just not what the insurance paid me. And I've said this to a few people, especially the guys at the dealerships. I go, I can't afford to get in a car payment because I don't have job security. And I want to tell you that I need to repent of that. Because I have to believe this year God is able to prosper me. And here's what he reminded me. He could sustain me using crows. Remember that story? God used crows to sustain Elijah. So I don't know where you need to shift your mind and say, listen, my hope is not in the economy. My hope is not in what people give. My hope is in the one who loves me and gave his life for me. And this year, he will prosper me. So if you see me driving with the BMW, don't get jealous. Pray for me. <laughs> No, I won't, drive, I won't buy a BMW. I'm a Ford guy, no matter what Manolo says. Number four, number four. Let's move on, let's move on. Number four. Fourth, in this new year, here's the fourth promise we're, we got to embrace, we got to own. The Lord will sustain me. We got to believe that the Lord 
is able to keep us. Psalm 123 verses 1 and 3 says, I lift my eyes to you, O God, enthroned in heaven. We keep looking to the Lord our God for his mercy, just as a servant kept her eyes on their master, as a slave girl watches her mistress for the slightest signal. See, this psalm is a gem. This psalm is one of the most treasured ones of the 15 Psalms. And here's why. Because this Psalm tells you how to deal with problems. And have you noticed we always have problems? I just told you about my car that got crashed. And yesterday we found out that my other car has issues. And now I got to take it to the mechanic. And it's $850. So it seems like when it rains, it what? It pours. Problems we're always going to have. But this psalm tells us how to deal with them. And it's very simple. He says, lift your eyes to the Lord. When you lift your eyes to the Lord, let me tell you, it is not only the best way to respond to problems, but it is the way that will get you out of your problems. Can I prove this to you? The proof is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 in the story of Jehoshaphat. Let's read it together really quickly. Look at what it says. After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Menunites declare war on Jehoshaphat. So a bunch of armies got together, right? Jehoshaphat was what? Terrified. Hey, Jehoshaphat saw something that scared them. But look at what he did. He was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for what? Guidance. Guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to do what? Now, you know why as a pastor I'm hounding you to fast? So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. And look at what Jehoshaphat says. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We don't know what to do, but we are what? Looking to you for help. Do you see the similarities between Jehoshaphat and the beginning of Psalm 23 when he says, I lift my eyes to you, O Lord? When you encounter a problem, where does your attention go? What is your thoughts? Where do they wonder? You know what we need to begin to do? We need to begin to give them to God and say, God, I, I don't have money for that new card I want. But I know you can do something about it. God, I can't change this man. I've been trying for 30 years. But I know you could do something about it. God, I can't control my kids and what they do when I'm not there, but, but I know you can do something about it. Church, let me tell you, the way we take a hold of the promise that God is able to sustain us is by lifting our eyes to him. If you look within you, you're going to get depressed. Isn't that true? Oh, you got to find it within yourself. All that's within our heart is just filth and death and sin and if you try to look around you 
you're going to find confusion because everybody's got a different opinion. But if you lift your eyes to God, he will guide you and he will sustain you. Amen? Amen. Number five, let's finish this up. The fifth promise is that in this new year, you ready for this? Here's the best one. For me, this is the best one. The promise is that the Lord is with me. The fifth promise is that the Lord is with me. Let's read Psalm 124. Look at what it says. What if the Lord had not been on our side? That's a good question, right? What if God wasn't for you? What if God hadn't fight on your behalf? The psalm says, what if the Lord had not been on our side? Let all Israel repeat. What if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us? What would have happened if God hadn't been with them? Well, verse 3 tells us they would have swallowed us alive in their burning anger. The waters would have engulfed us. The torrents would have overwhelmed us. Yes, the raging waters of their fury would have overwhelmed our very lives. But here's verse 6. Praise the Lord who did not let their teeth tear us apart. We escape like a bird from a hunter's trap. The trap is broken and we are free. Our help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Hey, not only is life full of problems, but isn't it also true that life is hard? Life is hard. You know what I've come to realize? I don't know where... People began to say, but it's not in the Bible. God does give us more than we can bear. God does. Did you know that? God gives us more than what we can handle. Because if God only gave us what we could handle, we'd be in heaven already. Because we can't handle anything. Oh, it's too hot. I'm not going to church today. Oh, it's rainy. I'm not going to work today. Oh, you know, they cut me off. My whole day is ruined. You know? Life is hard. And listen to me. When life gets hard, listen to me. You need a strong anchor. Because if you don't have a strong anchor in your life, you are going to go off course. And you're going to make bad decisions. And can I tell you, three of the most likely bad decisions you're going to make when things get hard and you don't have a good anchor here they are. You might want to write these down. They're not in your outline, but here they are. Number one, when life gets hard and you don't have a good anchor, you are going to abandon your goals. Why did you quit school? Oh, I don't know. It just wasn't working out. It got hard and you didn't have a good anchor. What happened? What happened with the business that you were going to open? Oh, you know, maybe not now. It got hard and you didn't have a good anchor. Hey, I thought you were married. What happened? Oh, you know how marriage is. It got hard and you didn't have a good anchor. You're going to abandon your goals because here's what the enemy is going to say to you and you're going to believe. What's the point in fighting? That's exactly how I felt just a few days ago. What's the point in trying again? What, what if in 2023 20, we have another variant and people get scared and stay home? But when you got a good anchor, everything changes. Here, here's a second uh, bad decision that you'll make. You'll discard your values. When you get to problems and you don't have a good anchor, you'll discard your values. You'll begin to do things that you know you shouldn't do. 
You'll begin to buy and spend and watch things that you know you don't watch. You'll begin to act and talk in a way that is not you because you abandon your values. And then third, you'll leave your dreams. You'll settle for monotony. You'll settle for mediocrity. You'll settle for just getting by and you'll abandon the purpose and the dreams that God created you for. Somebody once said the following, and I think this is, as Pastor Ruben says, tweetable. Look at what it says up here in the screen. The truest test of faith is not how high you jump when you sing praises to God, but how straight you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The truest test of our faith is not how happy we are when God is blessing us. But the truest test of our faith is how steady we walk when we go through the valley of shadow of death. Pastor, you said we need a strong anchor. What anchor is that? Here it is. For you and I who have placed our, our faith in Jesus, there is no stronger anchor than the presence of God. Let me tell you, church, the presence of God is the ultimate thing. You realize that heaven is about the presence of God? When we think about, about a utopia, when we think about a perfect place, we think about heaven. And heaven is heaven because that's where God's presence is. So if you're going through hardships, I know what we want is for God to fix it. It's for God to do something. But the first thing we need is God's presence. Because God's presence changes everything. Look at what Psalm 23 verse 4 says. It says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are what? Close beside me. God's presence. God's presence. I don't know what you're going through. But I bet you if you knew that God was right there standing with you, everything would change. You know, I remember one occasion, um, I'm the oldest, and uh, before Hugo, my brother who is here, we have another brother, uh, his name is Wally. And I remember that in one occasion, um, in the street we lived in, we were playing, and uh, there was a guy that was sort of uh, uh, bullying my brother Wally, you know, and he was calling him names, and he was pushing him, and I kind of saw that from afar, you know, so as an older brother, I, I went to go see what was going on, you know, I went to go see what was happening. When my brother saw that I was coming, guess what happened? He got brave. He got brave. Now he's a better fighter than me, he, 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 he. But back then, back then, I was just older and bigger, right? But when I got there, he got brave. Why? Hey, if I can't, I know my brother can't. You and I, we ought to do the same. Hey, I got somebody big with me, the biggest one of them all. And if he's with me, who can be against me? Amen. Amen. If he's with me, no one can be. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart 
and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.